We were talking about fat cats. Hi, Kate. Hi, my cat's perfectly sized, thanks. Also, no struggle. I'm not so sure about that. You've tried <laughs> holding my cat or my child while standing on the scales. It is always a struggle. One person writes, I got a rescue puss during COVID. She had two very large litters uh, and was just over two years old. She weighed 6.2 kilos. I do likely overfeed her. She just loves her twice daily food. And I know she's fat. She came from a farm and she had to fight for her food. Oh, Jessie, she <laughs> loves her food. And I'm not a good restrictor person. I think there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. People know they're probably a little bit obese, but. No, but we're kind of killing them with our love a little bit, <laughs> aren't we, potentially? These chonky cats could live a lot longer if they were a little bit more. Agile and svelte. Kate Rogers talking film in a moment. I've got a new Beth track for you. Actually, collaboration Beth's with uh, Pickle Darling and then Sweet Mix Kids on New Zealand Live. Um, Kate, we're talking about a, wow, what a collab, Martin Scorsese, Mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. They would have collaborated before. Oh, my God, so many times. But my favourite is The Departed, Departed. uh, which could not be more different from Killers of um, the Flower Moon. Uh, I rewatch The Departed, and I know we're not reviewing The Departed, but I love this film so much. Uh, And you and I are very different, and I know when we hang out a little bit that I constantly have to apologise for the fact that I have a bit of a gutter mouth when I'm not on the wireless and not on the telly. (laughs) And one of the things that is so joyous about The Departed is a celebration of the best ways of delivering (laughs) cuss words um, set in Boston. And it is DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Alec Baldwin, and it's um, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, And it's just a great gangster film uh, and hugely, highly entertaining. When's it set? Uh, I would say it's – oh, that's a good question. I would say it's sort of like the 80s. Uh Um, and it's a cop drama set against the backdrop of gangland. Jack Nicholson, of course, uh, playing the biggest gangster of all time. But when we think about collaborations and gangsters, we think about De Niro and Scorsese as well, way back Mm. into Taxi Driver days. And then De Niro makes, uh, I adore him, he makes such weird choices and the reality (laughs) is he's got to pay his bills, right? So he will go and and be in the Fockers or some just horrific. (laughs) At least that's a good one. What? Meet the parents. It's a it's a classic. It's a it's a classic. It's a comedy classic. It's a. He's this, it's not just a classic. It's a comedy classic. There's good ones. There's good comedies and there's bad comedies. And he's done some bad ones, but surely you can't put Meet the Parents in that category. I, I think I just. Um, I think we'll we'll move on uh, because we're friends. I'd like to keep it that way. Uh, so De Niro, when he's put in a drama capacity, uh, it, it's phenomenal. And in the role that he plays in Colors of the Flower Moon, it is just that reminder uh, of just what an extraordinary performer he is and in the way he can bring such a slimy menace to characters that he plays Uh, and just to give you a bit of an idea of what this film is about I for one decided to know nothing despite the fact this film had had just standing ovations in Cannes and uh, is getting reviewed so incredibly well everywhere I thought all I know is it's three and a half hours long Oh my how many times will I need to go wheeze the answer is zero (laughs) I was so captivated for the entire duration I didn't really take my eyes off the screen and when it was finished I thought that could be just a great parable of talking about how uh, the Native um, Americans have been treated, how the indigenous people of America have been treated Uh, 
I'm not spoiling it for anybody to tell you that this story is based on a non-fiction book and is oh, absolutely yeah. true about the Osage um, Indians who basically struck oil. They moved um, to Oklahoma, they purchased land to live on, and then oil was found on mm-hmm. that land. And they were suddenly phenomenally rich Uh kind of powerful, although that comes up for so much uh, conversation and inspection during the course of the show. Mm. Um, But of course, then it attracts all of the worst kind of people to town to try and get the money and the control off them in the most insidious of ways. Including Robert De Niro. Including Robert De Niro. Bad uncle. Exactly. Bad uncle uh, as the linchpin. And Leo DiCaprio comes home from the war. He's a simple, mostly stupid man and phenomenally easy to manipulate. Uh, And one of these very strange processes that makes so sense if you look back, it makes so much sense when it comes to colonialism in some ways, is you basically integrate into a community and by having um, intercultural marriages, you kind of eliminate the species, if that makes any sense to you. His uncle encourages him to hook up with one of the... All the men are encouraged to do so. Right. To marry uh, the Indigenous women because they have the money and the access to the money from the oil. Mm. And by marrying them, then so do I. But the fascinating thing about this story is we're talking about murder. We're talking about dozens and dozens of unsolved murders um, of Native Americans uh, to get access to that oil money. Uh, and they never investigated until the just the newly fledgling FBI come in to investigate. Played by uh, the lovely Jesse Plemons, who yeah. I just cannot get enough of. He's so good. He's so good. So it plays out as you would know in three and a half hours. Almost I say this in- with love. Hmm. If uh, someone with the face of Jesse Clemens can become <laughs> you a movie star, there's hope for the rest of us. There is hope for the rest of us. And I could look at that face all day long. It's phenomenal. I watch him and um, Kirsten in Fargo as that incredible couple, a Fargo TV show this is, which I absolutely love, and he plays a butcher. And again, mm-hmm. and a, the simpleton nature of a trusting man. And he can just be so many different kinds mm-hmm. of personalities. Mm-hmm. Power of the Dog, classic example. He's such a great performer. He's not in this enough. And in fact, up pops um, Brenda Walsh and up pops John Lithgow. It's a very oh, wow. odd kind of collection. But anchoring this, De Niro, Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly, who is Leo DiCaprio's wife, um, and DiCaprio himself. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it was. By the end of it, I had such an emotional reaction to the story. The whole notion of sickness uh, in that in the 20s, because the oil boom uh, came at the same time as, um, as all sorts of illnesses were kind of wiping mm. out large tracts of the population as well. Uh, so there's a lot. There's a lot to chew on, hey? Great accent on DiCaprio. Always. Always. I had a conversation with my colleague at TV3 who also um, loves films and was with me last night, Daniel Rutledge, and he found the DiCaprio performance for him, uh, he decided to, to mock, and I could kind of understand it. If you've seen the trailer, DiCaprio, in order to play a simple man, kind of juts his chin forward in a, <laughs> yeah. in a, in a kind of an almost comic way, which I noticed at the beginning and then stopped noticing, but for some people it was quite <laughs> distracting. For me, by the end of it, you really got to... to to see um, his chops. He's, he's phenomenal, and anything he does with Scorsese is as well. And Lily Gladstone, uh, 
I've never seen her in anything before. She brings something just about to every frame by doing very little uh, as a character, doing mm. so much but doing very little to convey that. And um, I found her pretty intoxicating to watch. Great. So it's a um, it's a, it's an event movie. Hey? It's an event movie, mm. and as I say, not too many glasses of water uh, before you go in, and you may not have to nip out. But if you do, you know it's Scorsese, and he takes a while to tell his stories for good <laughs> reason. So it's not like you're going to miss out on an explosion or anything. Now, what do you think Meet the Parents got on Rotten Tomatoes? Okay, go for it, Jesse. Blow 85%. my mind. Oh, my God, it's such a good comedy. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to have an argument about what I think is funny because I think we both agree that comedy is subjective. Why don't you name a comedy and then we'll see what score that got on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't really like to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that first review is Killers of the Flower Three Amigos, Moon. one of my favourite comedies of all time, Martin Short. Yeah, Steve that's going to do pretty well, isn't it? I absolutely love The Three Amigos and almost um, had a, a medical event when I first watched that film in the cinemas. It was just that funny. So the little things, they're odd little comedies that tend to float my boat. 45% <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> like I say, comedy's Sh- subjective. Should we even listen to Kate's other opinions? <laughs> well, I find you funny sometimes. Netflix. Fair play. This looks like a real goodie. Such a cracker. How do these films end up on Netflix? Full respect to Netflix, can yeah. I say that? Not at the minute. Not with what the streaming services and the studios are doing to Maybe actors Maybe she's right got a contract uh, post-Bridgerton with Netflix. It's phenomenal, though. Uh, this is a film I would have loved to have seen on the big screen. And that's right. Um, the fabulous um, Phoebe Diniver, who played the main character in Bridgerton. Uh, again, that was a lot about sexual politics, but this is a very different um, option <laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, I don't know. And I'm pretty sure we may have had this conversation about maybe our mutual love for the TV show industry. Yeah. Absolutely adore it. Yeah, so it reminded me of that, actually. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely along those lines and that kind of cutthroat world. And mm. it is a very masculine world. Uh, and it's a similar situation in New York finance company and a couple who are keeping their engagement, their relationship, they live together, a secret uh, from everybody that they work with. And it seems to be a beautiful, loving kind of very hot and heavy relationship uh, until the day that she gets promoted. And the way that this filmmaker, um, her name's Chloe DeMont, um, and she's directed episodes of Billions and also ballers of all things Uh. and suits, uh, she's written and directed this. And it is all about that notion and uh, about the fragility of the male ego, but not just that, uh, done in a way that's quite visceral. There's almost a kind of a 90s noir is not really the right way to describe it, but it's it's punchy and very visceral. Uh, and you want them to, to, in a way, if you're a romantic, you kind of want them to push through it. But yeah. eventually they become the worst versions of themselves. <laughs> but she, it's all the power play of it. It's the power play of him seemingly wanting to help her and, and being fine and being so proud of yeah. her to undermining her in uh, and, and so many ways. But it's it's kind of so on funny. steroids, I think. Um, yeah, I don't want to overdo it. I interviewed someone uh, recently about um, women and what it takes for women to succeed. In this interview, he told me that the biggest glass ceiling is from your husband, <gasps> which this film seems to make that 
point, right? Mainlines into it. Uh, because it, I think what they do so cleverly with this film is they mainline you from the get-go into the intimacy of a relationship. Uh, and I think it's not voyeuristic in that sense. It's just really important to get a feeling of realistically how relationships work mm-hmm. and how loving relationships work and how they can descend into 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 a nightmare. And you know what? Alden Ehrenreich, um, I love him. He had such a small role in Oppenheimer, um, even though Solo, the Han Solo story, was the least impressive of the mm-hmm. Star Wars standalones. Uh, he's got that something, that that little kind of um, star factor. He is phenomenal. In fact, both of them are phenomenal oh, in this cool. film. Uh, so it's it's easy and cheap. You can just watch it on Netflix. <laughs> uh, and if you can do it on a nice big screen, even better. Not for the kids, though, eh, Jesse? This one, not for the kids. Well, based on the trailer, it looks pretty steamy, yeah. Yeah, it's um, pretty steamy. was also pleased to see the face of Eddie Marsan. Do you know him? Love him so much. And how creepy was he? Uh, he is one of those British actors, and he's been in so many incredible things. I mean, he's been in some... I think most famously playing... Um, Brother Terry and Ray Donovan, um, and yep. I think he got Alzheimer's or something in that series. And I think he has it in real life as well. And so you sort of watched the physical decline of that character. Yeah, um, it's quite quite a short sort of uh, quite a slight dude, but intense. Do I need to watch Ray Donovan? Yeah, it's pretty good. Is it? It's okay. about a, it's about an Irish family from Boston, tough guys yeah. who moved to LA and. Um, and the lead, Liev Schreiber, is, yeah. a, is a fixer. So he, so he goes and cleans up scenes for bad men. And his dad has been released from prison, John Voigt. Oh, and he's a real bad guy. And the two of them have really <laughs> bad blood. I need to see that. Yeah, I've so. seen a lot of bits of it, but I haven't really dived into it. Okay. Eddie Marsden can be in a film for five minutes or, <laughs> yeah. or 50. Uh, and again, when we talk about that ability that De Niro has to convey real sinister menace with very little, he's um, he's terrific. And he plays a very, very, very bad person Gee, uh, um, in that. I haven't left you much time to talk about these No, that's things. fine, because I just want to highlight the fact that we've got two film festivals. Show Me Shorts is, uh, it's just been such a terrific festival from its inception. Uh, We have lots of local filmmakers and lots of international ones that not just cut their teeth on this festival with short films, but even, um, you know, big filmmakers uh, make short films to be a part of it. And uh, if you win this film festival, you can be in the running for an Oscar Mm. nomination. Um, It's a great festival. It's on across the country. I urge you to go and see it. And then we've got the British and Irish Film Festival coming to New Zealand I suspect for the first time, and that kicks off next week, um, and all sorts of great uh, wrecks will be coming out of that festival as well. And if you love British film, Eddie Marsden is a classic example, Ken Loach films, all sorts of things he's been a part of, then I recommend you um, jump online and check out where you can sample those ones. Yeah, we, we had someone talking about the different film festivals that are available in New Zealand um, you know, about how many different film festivals. I mean, do the British really need their own film festival? <laughs> Well, let's just call it the Irish one then. (laughs) Um, Maybe we'll wait and see who wins the World Cup. And then if you want to go and see an Irish film next week, um, either to celebrate or commiserate, um, you can. Okay. Kate Roger, thanks so much. Always. Our uh, film critic on a Friday.